Good morning, Grace. Glad you could join us today. Uh, if you want, you can join us in, um, we're going through the book of James. We're on chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 12 verses. And today, it's about power. We each and every one of us, you and me, we have remarkable power at our disposal. And James is going to spend these verses telling us to be afraid, to respect the power that we have and learn about the power and change our lives around that power. He's going to talk about the power of the tongue. He's talking about the power of words. Here's a modern translation of our passage today. Let me just read it for you. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we all teach and we're all going to be judged by a stricter, with, with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes, and anyone who makes no mistakes when they're speaking, that person's perfect, <laughs> able to hold their whole body into check like a bridle. The tongue has power to direct the powerful. You could put an eight-year-old girl that weighs 65 pounds on a workhorse that weighs as much as a car, and yet that, with a bit and some reins, she can steer that horse in any direction she wants to go. The power of the bit to direct is the power of the tongue. You could build a ship as big as our campus with rooms for thousands of people. And if that ship were to be tossed by storms, the captain would be able to redirect that huge ship by using a tiny rudder compared to the size of the ship itself. And the power of that rudder to steer, the tongue, it has that kind of power. So also the tongue is small. It's a small part of our body, and yet it boasts of great things. The tongue has the power to destroy a single match no matter how small, has the power to inflame an entire forest, and the flame will destroy everything that it touches. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of its body. It corrupts the whole body, sets a whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself a fire from hell. The tongue is wilder than the wild beasts. Humans have trained lions to roar on cue and killer whales to jump through hoops, not the tongue. No one can tame the tongue. It's never been done. It's relentlessly evil. It is full of deadly poison. The tongue's inconsistencies is unnatural. It's otherworld. With our tongue, we bless God, our Father, and with the same tongue, we curse every man and woman that's made in his very image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. Friends, this cannot go on. A spring doesn't gush forth fresh water one day and gulf water the next. An apple tree doesn't bear strawberries, do they? Uh, strawberry bushes, they don't bear apples, do they? You're going to dip into a polluted mud hole and think you're going to bring up a clear cup of cold water? Really? The tongue will tell you the health of your soul. The theme is that words have power. And James uses illustration after illustration, word picture after word picture. He's trying to paint for us the, the smallness of the tongue, words, 
and their robust influence on everything around us. If he were to write today, knowing what we know now, he would say words are atomic. Uranium, it's too small to even see, but can power an entire city. It can give millions of people light so that they can feel safe. It, it, can, it can power a hospital to, to bring healing to people. It can fuel up entertainment centers so that we might enjoy our lives a little more. Uranium can do that. And in 0.1 seconds, it can be heat, it can cause a heat of 500,000 degrees Fahrenheit and absolutely incinerate five square miles of that same city. That's nuclear power. That's the power of the tongue. The Bible says, and we know from experience, that words have power on us. They have power to, for positive things. They can, words can be used to encourage and fortify and heal and teach and support. We use words to sing. We use words to pray and to praise God. But words have power to destroy too, to corrupt, to pervert, to slander, to gossip, to complain. And James is saying, look, this letter that he's writing, it's dedicated. You know, the theme is to dedicating us to become like Christ in all of life. And in these 12 verses, James is saying, you need to become like Christ in the words that we use. The words, the tongue he's talking here is the greatest challenge and the greatest threat to us becoming like Christ. He says, he says in this passage, if you can tame your tongue, you've arrived. The, the favorite word that James uses for maturity, mature, complete, lacking in others, is the word perfect. He's going to say that here. You're perfect. You can do this right. Look what he says in the first two sentences. Not only, um, or, I'm sorry, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that uh, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his, bridle his whole body. <laughs> he's not saying don't become a teacher. He's just saying Words have power, and you'd better fear that. You'd better be very careful because that's what you do for a living. It's like saying, I'm a teacher. Oh, I'm, I mean, I work with dynamite. Well, that's, well, you should be careful. <laughs> well, I will. Words direct. There's a whole section of the word. Words are directing. They, they direct our lives and the lives of people that we touch. Like, like, a, like a tiny bit directs. A giant war horse, that's the power of words. You know, like a, a, a small rudder can maneuver a ship even in a storm, that's the power of words. And so he says, so also the tongue is small and yet it boasts of many great things. Because words steer us. Words define who we are and where we're going. The words we use define who we are and where we're going. It, it defines who we are. We use evil words. We are known for being evil. We use words of, that are complaining. We're malcontents. We use sexually charged words. Yeah, people think we're kind of creepy. Rightly so. If you're known for lying with your words, then you're not trusted. They define who we are. And 
he's showing here, it's just literally directs and determines the course of our lives. Because the words we use determine our reputation, our friendships, our career path, and our very lives. The, the, power, the power of the tongue, the power of words, in infecting your marriage, and you could make a marriage sweet with the words you choose to use, or you can use different words and turn that same marriage into something that's sour. You bring words into your workplace and you can isolate yourself from your coworkers. It'll cost you. It'll change your career. Or you could use words to bring and, and unify a team and maybe have them working in ways that couldn't be done any other way and take them to places they couldn't go if it weren't for the words of encouragement, words of insight, words of understanding. It's life and death. <laughs> the power of words on people's lives, it directs us. It directs other people around us. Words can change who you are and save lives. It could save your life. There's a, a new show on PBS called Frontline. I watched this show 20 years ago, and I can't forget it. It haunts me. When I think of 9-11-2001, you know, the Twin Towers, when I think of, of that, and the, the, the logo is Never Forget, one of my parts of never forgetting is this frontline story that took place one year later in 2002 in October, and it was a story, and the, the title of the episode is The Man Who, the Man Who Knew. It's... Uh, it's a story of, of John O'Neill, and John O'Neill was a special agent with the FBI in charge of counterterrorism. And he was actively involved in significant cases and even headed up cases in, in the context of the bombings that were going on in the Middle East that led to the Twin Towers falling. So the, the embassies in Africa, the USS Cole in Yemen, uh, the buildings in Saudi Arabia, and then the first attack on the World Trade Center. And John O'Neill said, listen, there's a, there, Osama bin Laden is the person we need to be watching. He knew early on and said, we need to deal with him early before Al-Qaeda gets too much momentum and brings it to our home again. And he called it. He knew it. And no one was listening. The man who knew. And here's why. Because John did not play well with others. He just wore people down with his cantankerous vocabulary. His bravado and, and impatience tainted everything he said. No one wanted to work with him or even be in a room with him. And he was telling the truth, but no one could hear it. And so he ended up having to leave the FBI, and he knew that Osama bin Laden wanted the scalp of the Twin Towers for his own, and he knew he was going to come back after it, and no one believed that. So in his private life, he became chief of security of the World Trade Center. And he died on September 11, 2001, when the first tower collapsed. When I saw that, that show in 2008, I'm, I'm sorry, in 2002, it's like it, it I don't know, it's literally just taking my breath away again. And it's, it's because I just thought, if he would have just chosen kind words, 
What if he would have ju- just been a little bit nicer and not so, like, angry and Irish and, you know, coming after people? What if he would have been pleasant to work with? He could have saved 3,000 lives. And what was, was harsh and hard for me to watch in this was he reminded me of me and my stupid mouth. Always getting me in trouble. My stupid mouth. I wonder what I'm doing to keep people from hearing the truth because of all the other words that I'm using. Ah, words, they have power to destroy. Like a single word, a single spark. That's all it takes, like a, like a cow knocking over a tiny little lantern in Chicago in the 1800s. Starting a fire that lasted two days. Three miles of Chicago is burned to the ground. 100,000 people are homeless. 17,000 buildings destroyed. 300 people died in a fire that started with a cow knocking over a lantern. And James is saying here, gossip, slander, it spreads faster than a wildfire and does way more damage. Words have power of life and death. And why is that? Why could words have so much influence in our lives, directing us where we'll be going and causing so much destruction or encouragement? And the answer is, is because they have the power to alter a human soul. If the words are believed, the words can change the nature of a heart. What, what we say and what we hear, what we choose to believe in what we hear, those can, metaphorically, they, would, they can color our souls. They're direct, like, um, let me give you a story, an example. Uh, there was a, a gal that uh, I enjoyed watching grow up, uh, and she was, she was so noble and courageous. She was fortified. She had this, like, fortified self-image. She was imputed with all sorts of, of truth and love from her mother and father two and a half decades, right, of, of fortified encouragement. She just lived a life that was strong and courageous, shoulders back, head held high. I always admired her. And as a young lady, she uh, married a man, and the man was like, bitter, he was, he was twisted with his anger. And over the years, he brought that anger into the rooms. He was like a, a bullhorn of words of humiliation and degradation and embarrassment and misery. And it changed her. And when the day finally came, when that day happened, when it became physical and he grabbed her and shook her, she was so not who she was that she could believe that it wasn't that bad and she probably had it coming. And that, that's, that's what was tragic in this, it's just that strong and confident young lady that I knew was gone. And what had changed her were words. And James, he wants us to see and fear, like the power of words. They have the power to steer 
a person that was once powerful and now made weak, a person that uh, had a, a golden soul that was open to other people has now become dark and closed and living safe and trying to be just a survivor. Words have power, they're, but they're just words. And here's what, and why is that? Because words affect our souls if we believe those words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. If you don't believe the names, if you believe the names, a bone will heal in six weeks. It'll take a lifetime to undo the names that are changing the color of your soul. And that's why James is like saying, we need to understand this. Like the big, kind of there's a bigger picture here. There's a, there's a big idea that has a kind of a, a broader application for us. And it has to do with the nature of, of man, the anthropology, like how we're made. And it's like, here's, here's the, the values we're supposed to walk away with here. We have to see ourselves and other people not as, not as just like, I don't know, flesh, but we're to see ourselves as souls first that are living in temporary housing called skin. And in the nature of those souls, words have power. And we have to take responsibility for the power of words that we hear and whether we're going to listen to them and the power of the words that we say and speak to other people. We just say it a, kind of, a, again, a different way, that we're not like bodies that happen to have souls. We're just, we're souls first that are eternal and everlasting. And we're just currently, in, you know, inhabiting this, this flesh that's going away. That, but our nature is spiritual. And in that spirit, know this to be true, that words have tremendous influence in guiding and directing. And so we have to be responsible for what we hear whether we're going to believe it or not. And what we say, we need to take responsibility for that. And in the application of, of what we hear, we have to discern what is true. We, we have to, we, since, pow, since words have so much power, we acknowledge that. This passage tr is showing us that. It has this power on our soul. So therefore, right, we, we can't affect necessarily what we hear, but we can determine what we listen to. And what we listen to and grab onto, like we have, to, our mind serves as like a gatekeeper. Is that right, real, and true? Is that from, from the Bible? Is that the Lord or not? We're supposed to be hearing things. Yeah, when you, when you, go, when you go through your mail, I mean, how many of you guys, when you go through the mail, are standing over a garbage can? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, because that's what most of it is. And I'm just, you know, it says urgent. That means it's junk mail, right? That's a lie. And so the, <laughs> we're supposed to be doing that when we hear words. We just like, we see the evil that's, that's coming our way and we say, we don't have to believe that. And James is saying, because of the power of words on our souls and lies, he says, that didn't just come from anywhere. He says, that's coming from hell. That's, look what he says in five and six. Look, he's talking about the power of destruction. How how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is, is set amongst other members of, of, of the body 
staining the whole body itself and setting on fire the entire course of a person's life and set on fire by hell. Those lies that we choose to believe are from hell. James says, would you just consider the source, please? Look at, the, look at what it says in Proverbs 16. A worthless man's words are scorching fire. James says, yeah. So don't listen to them. Don't believe in them. You might have to hear it, but you don't have to absorb it. Years ago, I was at a rehearsal dinner. I was, was doing this wedding, and I was, so I was sitting with the bride and the groom. And the groom's father comes over and, and kind of puts his hands on the shoulder of his son and says, I've been saying this for years. This guy's never going to amount to anything. And I'm here to tell you, told you so. Everyone at the table, he, yeah. And so this young man who would be married the next day has, has a choice to make. He has three choices ahead of him. One, he could believe what his father just said. And then for the rest of his life, every time he starts approaching some expression of success, he hits the self-destruct button, and he doesn't even know why, <laughs> but he somehow ruins whatever he had accomplished so that he can prove that I'll never amount to anything. There's another way to apply this, and that is like he could believe it and then run his entire life like red line and do whatever it takes to succeed and climb that ladder to the top of a wall that's the leaning against the wrong wall. And, and he can achieve many great things and it will never be enough, but he'll do that at the expense of his family, neglect or abuse, but I'll do whatever it takes because I'm going to prove that I can be a success. He can believe it, he can believe it, or he cannot believe it. He could say, that's from a worthless man. You don't even know this father. How many of you think the guy's a worthless man? <laughs> oh, yeah, because only a worthless man would do this and say this. He could, he could consider the source. He could ask himself, is that right and real and true? What does the Bible, what does God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, say about my value? I'll live for that. Even at that table, there were men at that table that would spend two decades investing and making sure he gets re reprogrammed appropriately. But he chose door number two, and he ran his family into ashes. He had a great amount of accomplishments, I'll tell you. He was successful in that, and he left a scorched earth behind because he chose to believe what a worthless fool said to him. He didn't appreciate the power of words, the power of their destruction. Words, they, direct, they directed his life, and they directed his family's life, and they set his family on fire, and the reason is, is because words affect your soul, but only if you choose to believe in them. And Proverbs 12 says, reckless words are like, pierce like swords, but the tongue of, a wise, of the wise brings healing. And he didn't understand 
the nature of reckless words here. And what he could have been doing, what we do is we're not standing over a garbage can when our mind is filtering what we're hearing. We're standing over Gehenna, the gates of hell, and we're just going, these lies, they go right back to where they came from. What you're hearing in your mind that isn't right and real and true, that isn't from the Bible, send it back where it came from. You think this is just like in a, come from some neutral source? James says that kind of evil words influence your soul, directing your course of life. Those are satanic. He says uh, in verse 8, the tongue is full of deadly poison. There's a cute little children's church song that has a bunch of little verses to it, but this one applies. It says, be careful, little ears, what you hear. The Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little ears, what you hear. James would agree with that. <laughs> he would say, look, man, you know, words have the potential to go straight to your soul and alter them, so you need to be discerning. You need to take responsibility for what you believe and what you hear. And then his second application, application has to do with the power of words. He says, you, you need to choose your words with the grace of God. You need to choose your words with grace. In Proverbs 12, there it is again. Again, you can choose one or the other. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue will bring wise healing. Don't be reckless with your words. Why don't you bring healing with your words instead? James kind of already told us the application in chapter one, if you were here, where he just says, be slow to speak. I mean, you don't have to answer right away. <laughs> like, what if we all just lived our lives as though we had a, a terrible sore throat? And, like, we could only say things that, was, that were worth the pain. <laughs> that would slow us down, wouldn't it? <laughs> but, you know, the point is you don't have to send the email tomorrow or the next day or next month or ever. Whatever you do, don't send it now. <laughs> You could save your career because you can't unring a bell, as they say. And James would say that bell is connected directly to the soul and has the power of good and evil for the person that hears it ring. J. Vernon McGee, he's an old uh, pastor, famous for his preaching, kind of southern charm. He said, it takes two years for a child to learn how to speak. It takes 50 years for a person to learn to be quiet. I'd say closer to 60 at this point. That's just me. And so the application is, especially moms and dads, that's a fragile flame that you're directing with the words that you choose. Choose them with the grace of God. And I'll add this. Big brothers, big sisters, older brothers and sisters, you, you can't believe this, but just trust me because you will later, but you can at 6 or 12 or 16 or maybe even 25, but you have a bullhorn with your younger siblings. They look up to you and they magnify the words that you use. Use words of grace, healing, strength, encouragement, Build them up. There's no need or, or, time or place for sarcasm. Watch where your younger brother or sister go 
based on your words where you directed them. There's power in words. There's another verse of that kid's church song. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. There's a father up above who's looking down in love, so be careful, little mouth, what you say. We have to take responsibility for what we say. We take responsibility for what we hear. And the third point I think that James is bringing to us is you have to learn to tame your tongue. We have got to tame our tongue. It has to be harnessed. It's not hard, James says. It's impossible. James says it's never been done. It has, it's not even close. <laughs> he says, we've tamed all the wild animals. We've, we, can, we can tame eagles and lions and whales. We teach parakeets how to talk, right? Like, if, if you go to SeaWorld, there's seals down there that'll do a skit for you where they, like, rob a bank and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's like what we, we can tame all the wild animals. And then James swoops in and says, but not the tongue. It's not like any of that. There's nothing like that. And he literally says, no one can tame the tongue. In the Greek, it means no one. Not one. And the proof he uses for this is he says, look how duplicitous our souls are. Like, we, we can't say anything without, like, saying the other thing. We just we cannot live consistent with the words we use. So in ver verse 9, he says, with our tongue, we bless the Lord and the Father, and with it, we curse the people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Yeah, we live a hypocritical lives in what we say. So watch, watch how this outline works, okay? He says, words have power. They can affect and direct a soul. And then he says, so tame your tongue. But you can't tame your tongue. It's impossible. <laughs> You're not helping here, James. Here's the, what he's doing is he's backing us into this. We cannot change or no man can tame their tongue, but the Spirit of God can. The Spirit of God can move that bit and reins. He has the ability and the power to direct that horse, that beast, he, he has, he's the captain that has the strength to steer that ship in the right direction. Taming the tongue, the solution is the dependence, absolute dependence on the Spirit of God because the problem is our soul. You see, the problem with our vocabulary isn't our words because if it was our words, then it would be just a matter of discipline. It'd be another set of rules. It'd be Confucius coming in and telling us 17 ways to not use the wrong words. But that's not the problem. The problem is our soul. Our soul is like our, our, our mouth is a loudspeaker for the condition of our heart. So you can't change words unless you change the soul. And you can't change the soul. We can't. Only God's grace can. God's grace can transform a soul. It's the only thing that's ever advertised in the Bible with the capacity to do that kind of major alteration. What we say is evidence of the health of our spirit. Look what uh, Justin, one of the church fathers, says. By examining the tongue, physicians find out the disease of the body. Philosophers, theologians, they look at the tongue and see the disease of the mind and the heart. It reveals what's inside of us. Jesus says it like this. 
in Matthew chapter 12. You make trees, you make, uh, you make a, a tree good, and the fruit will be good. You make a tree bad, and the fruit will be bad. Yeah, for a tree is, re- a tree is recognized by its fruit. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tongue is like merely a messenger delivering letters that were composed inside your heart. So that's the problem. James puts it like this, the last two uh, verses we're looking at. Uh, can, Can both fresh water and salt water flow out of the same spring? No. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Point is, you want to change the water, you're going to have to change the spring. You want to change the fruit, you're going to have to change the root. You want to change your words, you're going to have to change the soul. We can't change the soul, but the Spirit of God can. He's backing us in and frustrating us into it's only by the grace of God that we can change. And so when we have an episode where we say something, a slip of the tongue, sarcasm or foolishness or something pitiful, we're supposed to like stop and ponder. There's no such thing as a slip of the tongue. That's a bit of our soul peeking out and saying, what is happening? And at that moment, we should stop and consider, what does that say about my well-being? And, and more particularly, what does the Spirit of God need to do in that part of my life? Are there words of truth that are found in the Bible about maybe a promise of God or an attribute of God where I'm not like Christ in this part and it's showing itself in the way I speak? God, change my heart. I'm envious. Make me grateful. I'm angry all the time. Make me joyful. You want to change your words? You got to change your soul. To change your soul, you have to surrender to the Spirit of God. Just give him keys to everything. Slip of the tongues, those are rooms that you've locked away where you didn't want the Spirit of God to involve himself. Words have power. Let him in there to change you. Look what, again, look what it says in chapter 18 of Proverbs. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yes, that's what James says. And he, like, choose life. Choose words of encouragement. Choose words of blessing. The battle for the righteousness of our tongue right, is lifelong. No one's done it. If we do it, we're perfect. So the point is, it's a, it's a life of losing. <laughs> trying to, trying, like if we can do this one thing, we'd be perfect. We're not. And so we need, like, need to acknowledge it's going to be a life of losing. And like Martin Luther says, all of life is repentance, Right? But there's another side to repentance. All of life is forgiveness. When was the last time you repented? That was the last time you experienced the forgiveness of God. You stop repenting, you stop experiencing God's forgiveness. And this topic, our mouth, our words, should make us regular repeat repenters so that we might be regular repeat enjoyers of God's mercy and his forgiveness. Let me close with four quick points from a Puritan pastor, Thomas Manton. He, he did a sermon on these 12 verses. I, I loved his four points, so I'm going to end with that. Here's the th- four things to walk away with 
as a consequence of knowing the power of words on our souls, taking responsibility for what we hear, what we say, and turning our lives over to a complete surrender of the Spirit of God. He says, therefore, we should rebuke others all the more tenderly now that we see how soft and fragile the souls are, handled with care. He says we need to depend upon God's grace all the more earnestly because now we know that only grace transforms and the root problem is beyond our abilities. And so only grace and God's spirit can do this. So we need to be more earnest. We need to magnify the love of God all the more gratefully. Thankful, happy that we have a cure. And then last, walk all the more cautiously because we have a sinning heart inside of us, not so much our spirit, that's been absolutely justified, but our souls are dark and full of poison and we need to walk cautiously because we know the power of, of words. And so, and like, again, Proverbs, the theme of Proverbs, guard your heart, it's the wellspring of your life. And in that you'll be guarding your words, which have the power to direct your life and the lives of other people. If we were a church filled with people that took on these applications and warnings from James chapter 3, we would be a perfect church. <laughs> It'd be great to be part of a perfect church. Well, actually, they kicked me out. But anyway, uh, let's pray to that end. It would take these words seriously. Lord God, we are uh, grateful for the forthright, straightforward communication of James here, but maybe we've come to a, a new understanding of the power of words in our lives. Lord, I'd ask maybe your spirit would unveil to us lies that we have believed, definitions that we have taken into our, into our souls and thought them to be true, and they have guided us into ruin and wreck because they are from hell. Satan's mouth himself, and we, we believe them. Lord, we repent of that belief. They're not right and real or true. It's not found in the Bible. And so, Lord, I'd ask that you would help reprogram those thoughts, those tapes, those words. That you would be gracious and merciful and patient with us. Lord, I'd ask that you would help us bridle our tongue. Think, then speak. Lord, I'd ask I, for your mercy to, to invade our souls where we have not surrendered to you, that we have hold on to anger or bitterness or envy, whatever those things might be, that we, we're finding these out by the words that we use. Lord, your spirit needs to touch those because only your spirit can change us. Only your truth from the Bible, your promises, your character can alter the depth of this evil. So we ask that you would invade that. Permission granted. Lord, we look forward to days, maybe two in a row, where we would speak honestly, truthfully with love. Make us those types of people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.